write about Trying to figure out what it's all about Existentialist Am I worth anything or just a scout? I don't know I don't know I don't know That was a great sound to watch with Outside on WNHHLP 103.5 FM New Haven Myself Prestige with my partner in crime Long Island Raised Elm City Made E-Z Blues is in the building Easy Blues, you are better introductions more than me. Who do we have with us today on Behind the Brand? Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to go in the way back machine. We're going to go back to virtual years ago. And there was this man that was walking through the amazingness that is a market that we no longer talk about their name anymore because they are mean. But there was this person that handed me a button. And from that button, I grew and I understood. And I took a long journey. I took a journey that was both sonic and visual. And it went through the very, very markets that are known as Stella Blues and Cafe Nine and the state that is a house. And there, you truly connected with a phenomenal human being that understood every aspect of his instruments and knew the performance needed to be amazingly visually stimulating. That man was the forest room, and I tell you, you are missing out if you do not see him tomorrow in Middletown. So I want you to put your hands together, not if you're driving, if you're driving, please keep your hands at 10 and two. We don't need any accidents. But mentally, put your hands together to a good friend, absolute phenomenal musician, and a heck of a guy, the forest room. Mr. Room, how you been? <laughs> thank you thank you so much for having me thank you for being here uh it's going well thank you <laughs> why the name so um <clears throat> well my name is matt that's okay. my my real name uh <laughs> but the forest room came from uh the book where the wild things are there's a line in it that says in in mac that night in max's room a forest grew and all this music I've been, I started writing was written in my bedroom. So just like the vibe, a room with a forest in, a room with a forest in it, uh, a vibe that's kind of where the name came from. And I, I, I started the forest room around 2004, 2005. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, it just started just me playing acoustic guitar in my bedroom. And uh, I recorded some music at the time and uh, I had to give it like a name and where the wild things are was a you know kind of childhood favorite and growing up and that book sat on my my dresser shelf for many years and just that uh that image of a, a room with a forest in it that's that's my vibe it's a great vibe um do not hate me both of you do not hate me um i've been under a rock i have not read where the where the wild things are but i heard amazing <laughs> things I've never saw the movie where the wild things are but i've heard the, mov the movie's all right it's cool it was okay yeah, right. but the book is, you know, it's it's short and sweet. It's a but just cool artwork for, you know, for me, that's the visual and, you know, kind of a mm -hmm. classic story, too, as well. But uh, yeah, just uh, it all started in my bedroom and just kind of evolved over time. And um, I started looping and then I got into electric um, music production. Um, mm -hmm. I took a, an, an electronic music class in college around early 2004 or something like that. I was, I was making beats in propeller head reason. And then it just kind of transitioned to, I pretty much, for the most part, I pretty much make everything in garage band. 
Mm -hmm. and uh, I mix it and export it for my looping in uh, Audacity. So pretty stock standard stuff that I'm using sound wise, mm -hmm. but I I mean I aim to <clears throat> keep it very guitar centric and. Uh, I utilize effects pedals mostly to give each loop a different flavor or layer or feeling or taste or, you know, color or something like that. Of course. And, th and then, um, uh, you know, one man band self-reliance. And then uh, I kind of, I started out kind of performing in coffee shops and the music was a lot more chill, I guess, you know, kind of starting out. And then, um, uh, I never really, uh, being in, I'm like doing so much looping and I'm doing math and counting and triggering things at the same time. So like, I'm kind of pretty occupied. So vocals are never really a focus, but maybe someday I'm not totally shooting it down, but like, because I was instrumental, I wanted yeah. to have a visual element to my performances. So I started messing around with these led strips. I used to have one I would just coil and throw on the ground. Like that was cool, but they're not made for that. So I kept breaking them. They're inexpensive. They're like 10, 15 bucks a strip. And, uh, okay. and then, uh, around, I think it was around 2015, I built my light towers. Um, they're wow. two big, long, uh, they're basically made out of, I designed and made them myself and they're, they're two LED strips per side. Mm -hmm. And they kind of segue and change and transition to the music. Um, I kind of sequence them much like the music. There's a 16-step sequencer in the app that I use. But um, anyway, before I get ahead of myself, yeah, the first version of it, it was like I would control the lights with an audio sensor or like a, a TV remote. You know, you probably see these LED strip remotes. That they I used to control mm -hmm. them with that, like very, you know, I had to point it at it. And sometimes they wouldn't be the exact same but that still looked cool mm -hmm. and then uh, a couple of years later i converted it to a bluetooth controller and uh, i had to house the base of it a bit differently and uh so yeah it's been like the same light setup for um it's about yeah 2016 or so i would say i've been using the same light setup and uh now that it's a bluetooth controller it's a lot um they're the exact same both sides are the exact same I have a bit more control over sequencing that, mm -hmm. um, but I don't use the music sensor on that because it's it it just doesn't work as well. But I don't care. I don't need it. <clears throat> but uh, <laughs> anyway, just the music. But yeah, just that the sound and the visual, and I aim to be a live act. Um, that's kind of my favorite part of it. So, and for those of you who are listening right now, he's just telling you just the visual experience he like gives to his audience, um, which is pretty cool. Which I seen with the pictures. Now, unfortunately, I didn't see a live. Uh, show with you but i heard great things uh from my, from my brother easy blues um now were you in any bands before or you were just like you know what i can do this myself i don't want to have any negative energy around me i just want to do this solo or did you you know were you in a band before the forest room yeah uh so both to that i guess mm -hmm. uh um me I'm an old man. I've been playing. I, most of my musical upbringing was playing bass and band and metal bands. And right. uh, so, and I, um, I played in metal bands um, from, you know, early two thousands, like two thousand three, two thousand two to like 
And then I guess the longest band I was in was a band called Burroughs. It was a sludge mm. metal band. I sang and played bass. We have a, a few, we were on a record label. We were, we have a oh, few wow. releases on Spotify. We had four EPs. Okay. Uh, or, so if you check out Burroughs music or um, bandcamp.com, burroughsmusic.bandcamp.com. That's what I did from 2010 to 2018. Okay. Um, and that was, that was a lot of fun, but you know, as people get old, you know, basically the band kind of like fizzled out. The drummer didn't want to do it that much anymore, you know, um, and all those, we were a trio and it was kind of like, I don't know, we kind of like disbanded at our prime, but you know, it happens. So we had a good run and uh, I'm proud of what we did and accomplished, but I was doing the forest room live um around like 2015 or so and also kind of coincident like so when i was doing both at the same time i was doing like heavy music and then this really chill acoustic ambient stuff and that was like big influences on me but in separate outlets Mm -hmm. and um and I always prioritized the band over solo stuff because I always had a couple people, you know, two other people's schedules to keep in mind. And if I wanted to do it, I had to like kind of keep it open for that. And then the, also the forest room wasn't, I was playing really small places like at that time and, you know, mostly open mics and cafes and coffee shops and bookstore type things. And then, um, you know, eventually getting through all the, you know, bigger New Haven bars and clubs um you were grinding anyway um so when burroughs was recording our second ep i think it was around uh 2014 or so or something like that like Mm -hmm. we had a we lost we had to um get a new guitarist like mid recording session and then our drummer's like matt you should play guitar on this ep so i did the guitar for burroughs on i did the guitar bass and vocals on the second Burroughs EP and kind of doing that being a bass player, it also made me had to, I also ended up kind of playing the forest room stuff more so I can get mm-hmm. better dexterity with playing guitar. Cause it's kind of a different beast mm-hmm. for me. And um, I always gravitated to bass cause I was playing with my hands. I never played with a pick when I played bass. So like going to guitar was kind of like a different thing. So anyway, like doing that Burroughs is metal and heavy and more like, fast movement where the forest room is more uh more a bit more complex picking arrangements but kind of weirder chords like my left hand probably doesn't move around across the fretboard as much as the burrows stuff did but anyway when i got to that rehearsing to record burrows and um getting my chops down i feel like that really skyrocketed my playing in a way you know at least for guitar um because i was kind of like really going all out in like both outlets guitar wise in a way uh, at the time, you know, I started playing guitar when I was 10 years, I've been playing guitar over 30, you know, I've been playing guitar and bass pretty much over 30 years at this point. But right. um, anyway, so when Burroughs broke up around 2018, um, I played bass in a band called Unloved for a bit for about a year. And those are like just longtime friends. It was more metallic hardcore type stuff. And we played some shows and out of state shows. And then, um, that kind of fizzled out as things do. Um, and then pretty much since then, I just, I don't, I only want to do the forest room. I don't really have the energy to coordinate schedules anymore. And that's another reason why the forest room exists is because it only exists because I'm self-reliant. Like I, if I get asked for a performance, they, I, I can give a response pretty much right away. I don't got to check with anyone's schedules. Um, I, I'm my own worst critic, you know, you know like I, I, I can beat myself up 
you know, not everyone has that tough of a skin, I guess. Not that I was ever like difficult in any band situations, but like, um, you know, I'm, I'm, it's just uh, way easier for me to navigate by myself. And um, if I were to do a band again, I'd only want to play bass, I guess. Uh, mm -hmm. I wouldn't want to play guitar. And I do, I do kind of weirder things on my guitar. And, um, but yeah. Uh, so yeah, like I did play bands. I do like that. I've always right whenever when i played in especially in burrows or any band i've been in over the years mm -hmm. <clears throat> um like say i had a riff or a song idea and i presented it to the band like nine out of ten times the idea the result would be better than anything i imagined so like right. that was always the fun part or the most fun part of writing in a group for me um but now it's i guess that's like the only like, like biggest difference between working by yourself and working with a group is just not that aspect but of uh no, definitely. like the camaraderie of, of that i guess you can say and and <laughs> all my bands i've been into we're all we were always a democracy you know like mm -hmm. or, you know and especially in a trio it was kind of easy like two three people you know like you're gonna have an odd number um but right. there, when that band there was like we had a, a few different guitarists over that eight year mm -hmm. span but like uh really no real conflicts or beefs or you know what i mean like i'm still friends with those guys i just don't see or talk to them as much but uh, you know i still talk to the drummer sometimes uh, we just we're all geeks about music so um but yeah anyway agree, we all are geeks and <laughs> it's really happy that you have a healthy relationship with those guys because uh, yeah, a lot yeah. of bands are unfortunate to you know not have that good relationship with them you know just in period i mean yeah, yeah. how many bands 19 million bands and you've been associated with, work with, network with, because like he's seriously talking about a grind. You've been on a grind for a half a millennium. <laughs> Tell me about that. Yeah, yeah. First of all, not half a millennium. You mother <laughs> dirty son of a gun. I'm gonna say some words to you later, sir. But say it right now. No, I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, man. Love you. Love you so but much. This, this is this is this is a lot of 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 of, of the truth aspect of it. And I really, what I really appreciate about your journey, because, you know, to really, really know and to truly understand as part like the forest room and stuff, they have to know you as a human as well. Mm -hmm. And you are every type of facet. You know, you also can repair and, and take care of all your own equipment. You also, you know, create and, and you know, bags for your, 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 your equipment as well. And you take all this type of care because this is 100% a representation of who you are. And as you continue to go through and you're continuously challenging yourself. Um, and that's one of the, the true highlights of it because I, I still remember, I think it was at Cafe Nine was the first show we, we did together back when I was doing the solo acoustic stuff. I think it was like you, me, I think Hatfield was, uh, was headlining that night. And that dude I think showed it was, up. About it, was, it, was, it was you, me, and Jamar. Okay, yep. And someone else, I think. I don't remember. Hatfield. I don't I don't know if that rings a bell, but I don't, I don't recall seeing him. I know, I think I remember who he is, but uh, yeah, who, yeah, but yeah, I know. I don't you're recall about. seeing him because he showed up 10 minutes before his set. Okay. <laughs> the rest of us were there like dumb early and like sitting and talking with each other. And like to the point where the bartender and I thought it was just going to be an early night. Mm, right. <laughs> and then Hadfield walked in. It was awesome too because. Seth Adam came down and actually like listened to all of our sets and sat mm -hmm. and talked. It was, it's such a great type of experience there. And 
you truly understand every aspect of the music because you work so diligently. And that's why the light aspect, you don't need to deal with that musical sensor because you know what the timing is for your music. Mm. You know when it's going to be that drop. You know when, when it's going to captivate. And you're able to use that. Where did that drive come from? Because you are serious. Like, honestly, man, it, it's really, really super interesting how deep your art actually goes from the construction of the instrument to the, to, you know, you are farm to table, sir. You are farm to table. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for, I appreciate that. Yeah. Pretty much what it really all boils down to. And just before I get ahead of myself, yeah. Like I built most, like a lot of my equipment that I use and own is what I built with my hands. I just, I've always been good with building and just, I'm sorry. Like I've always been good at building stuff and, uh, just being able to pick something up and analyze it properly and rationally and kind of put it together. It really stems from when I was a kid, like, uh, you know, like I was making castles out of shoe boxes mm -hmm. for my action figures and GI Joe's and you know what I mean? Like things like that. And then I just was always good at drawing and painting, like from all, all so from kindergarten to high school. Yeah. Uh, I was just constantly winning like art awards. Mm -hmm. I was voted most creative mm -hmm. in my high school. You know, when I graduated, uh, I was just always having my artwork in some sort of building or hallway or frame like displayed somewhere. I won contests like and I wasn't even really like I wasn't trying. I was just like making it and it just looked good. And someone put it somewhere kind of type thing. And mm -hmm. I just always been good at like, like I said, just from having it in my hand and uh, creating it. And then um. Yeah, it's just also just part of the self-reliance thing. And it's also kind of, you know, it's also economic to be able to build, fix and make your own things. Um, you know, like I'm, I'm not like I was raised by a single parent. I, you know, like I don't, you know, we were taken care of, but like uh, it wasn't, um, you know, the music stuff wasn't abundant. And, you know, like I, I had a part time job when I was 14. Uh, I had a, I was cleaning and repainting the local rec center. I saved up and bought my first bass guitar. It was a Fender P bass. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like I did that at 14. So like, I've had that, um, just kind of like di dive in and get and just learn it the hard way type of thing, you know, with just kind of, I just been self-taught. That's another thing too. Like I've never had a guitar lesson. Um, my father showed me the major scale and a couple power chords for green day and Weezer songs. And the rest is all history, you know, like, figured it out myself i i'm the type of guy who um while my friends were getting drunk in the woods in high school i, I was in my bedroom playing bass every night like i wanted to get be better at it i rehearsed um uh I, you know a, a big part was memorizing a young age and then i learned how to read music in high school i wanted to pursue it in college and then it was just like a bad audition experience and i just thought like i'm gonna treat it as like um like a hobby i guess you can say like it's a, something i'm passionate but not something i'm going to rely on for a career and uh mm -hmm. <clears throat> and then uh you know like i i ended up pursuing i have a bachelor's degree in graphic design i got that from southern state connecticut state university in 2008 um and so that was like kind of what, what i did second best was art like i kind of mentioned before all my upbringing and um so anyway, uh, I've always just, and then again, like through all the bands I was in, you know, I played in bands since I was a young, since I was like 13, 14, like as soon as I got that bass, yeah. I started a bit, actually I started a band 
I got my first guitar. It was like a Strat copy when I was 10 years old. And I started a band mm-hmm. with my cousins. We we're just playing Weezer and Green. And, uh, and, uh, and then uh, <laughs> when, I, when I got older, when I was like 14, like I said, I, um, I got a bass. And I didn't, one of the reasons I got a bass is because I didn't know anybody who played bass. Everyone played drums or guitar pretty much at that age, you know, early 90s um Mm -hmm. so like and uh also like i i bought books i hung out in the library i still go to the library like it's just a space to kind of separate from everything else or out after work and just kind of focus on some sort of a project at hand so yeah it's all kind of i'm diy till i die like (laughs) you know like i i do i really like i don't want to rely on anyone else because then i'm waiting you know i also like it's kind of like the the creative ants the anxious artist type of thing where you you just you're going to be impatient you want it now you're going to work on it until you're happy with it and then and then I always kind of I tend not to like revisit projects too often like I I I keep that as like that that's what happened at that period of time if I'd rather focus on a new thing than try and make something from the past better so like um and also you you make mistakes and you learn from them and uh that's how we grow yeah you yeah you grow like that like i'm growing right now on wnhhlp 103.5 fm new haven myself prestige and my partner in crime long island rays elm city made ez blues is in the building the force room is with us on behind the brand continue matt i hope i didn't lose your train of thought no, that's cool thank you um so well uh basically um yeah i've always considered especially the forest room to be like my big one of my biggest vehicles for growth you know like mm-hmm. whether it's i you know i built my pedal board i built my lights i built my um i built some of the effects pedals that i use um and it all kind of started from like basically uh so the repair guitar luthier stuff that i i started you know i've been playing guitar since i was a since i was like 10 years old and um I want to say this was around 2007. I was in a band and I was commuting to New York for it. It was kind of like a spacey sludge metal band uh, in Yorktown Mm -hmm. Heights, New York. I was, I grew up in Milford, Connecticut. um, And I was driving about an hour to pursue that band. And I was cool. That was around my space times and music was a little bit more popular than, you know, to, as a social activity for shows and stuff. But, um, we were going in the studio and I needed my bass set up and I, I had guitars in to do it and they did a bad job of it. And then like, I look, I just researched something and I was able to make it better myself. And then shortly after mm-hmm. that, uh, <clears throat> I found some guitar repair maintenance classes in New Jersey, like a few hours away. Like, so I, I took like a couple courses in that. Um, and then I was just, uh so yeah this was around 2007 2009 around there Mm -hmm. um i i just offered after tweaking with my own equipment for so you can only do that for so long i was giving i was repairs and setups for friends for free because all my friends were musicians Mm -hmm. and i had to learn on other instruments and other brands um so i had to get experience with that so i did that for free for a few years like three or probably three or four years and then it just got to the point where i had to like charge for it because i was just i was spending that much time on it like and to this day you know so i've been doing you know well over 10 years a bit over 10 years and uh 
it's been like, you know, like a lucrative hobby, I guess you could say that's, I probably spent a lot more time on the repair mm -hmm. stuff than I do on music, but like music is the fun part or the fun result right. from the, that work because the, the craftsman luthier gig is kind of like it, it pays, helps with bills and fun. So, right. um, and, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, like I said, um, I, I, that gets, so that in that guitar I'm playing now, I, I always played I always play an acoustic. That's been my, th my sound, my thing. And that guitar I built, I have now, I built that over quarantine. It's uh, basically mm -hmm. a solid body guitar, but it has a acoustic piezo pickup system in it. And then I have a pedal that helps it sound a little bit better. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. So it, it, it's really nice stage uh, live guitar because it's anti-feedback. It's um, it like, I don't, you don't hear the acoustic guitar in a, in a microphone, which is kind of right. nice for any sort of video settings or mm -hmm. live settings. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just, it weighs a lot more, but it's just more comfortable right. to play. I'm not hugging a wooden box on my chest, but the acoustic, right. I, I record with that thing. Um, it's always going to be my sound. I always aim to have like a, a low woody sound uh, in my mm -hmm. guitar tones. And then the effects is all, you know, icing on the cake, like just little nuance changes and uh, flavors and colors and uh, vibes. And so, yeah, like just the drive, just real, like I said, just DIY started just since it's, yeah. it's been in my blood. And I would say that like from a young upbringing, you know, like my father's side, we're all kind of crafty, you know, build, you know, homemade, you know, they can build stuff. I grew up, right. you know, going to my grandparent, my grandparent, my grandfather had a workshop in you know in his basement and just stuff to build so i was kind of took advantage of that sometimes having tools around and making toy guns and swords and stuff like that at young, castles and stuff like that as a young age um and then uh really just making cool stuff with your hands <laughs> no, and, and and i love the fact that you know you, you say you diy until the day you die because like again you're so DIY. If I remember this correctly, when you go out on tour, you have this space where you, you can put all of your stuff in above your car, but it also is a tent. So like you don't need to pay for a hotel room if it's a really nice night and you can sleep under the stars. Um, you know, that's what I think is so incredible because it almost seems like you're getting to the point where you're going to be able to plug in something to your car and just show up at walmart parking lot and have a show is that the goal is that is we're just going to have random forest room pop-ups so that's that's like kind of half right um so i don't have like a tent in my vehicle but what i do have is i got one of those thule or thule i don't know exactly how they pronounce it uh roof boxes and that's it's like long and then um it's black and i was worried about like I wanted something to store my stage lighting in and that's what I put my stage lights in is that thing. And I, and I painted it gray to match my vehicle also mostly to, um, so that whatever's inside it isn't totally cooking in the sun as bad if it was a solid mm -hmm. black color from the box or whatever. Um, and then with touring, I made, I also put like my sleeping bag and I have an inflatable mattress in that box as well. So when I do tour, I, I can basically empty out my, or rearrange part of my equipment so I could lay that inflatable match. Uh, it's actually like a, a pool mattress, a float, float, a pool float. <laughs> it's like a single, uh, it takes up like <laughs> one side, one side mm -hmm. of my trunk and it's like a, a bed mattress. So I, I have a place to 
to nap. I haven't done an overnight with it yet, but I usually do Airbnbs when I tour. Um, but I have a tour in September that uh, is, I'm going further out. So I think I'm going to be in my vehicle more. So I might try and like kind of do the overnight in my vehicle then. But as far as playing a show with it, uh, I don't know if that will happen. I mean, I, it may or may, I, I don't think that would work with my guitar stuff, but if I did my electronic synthesizer stuff, that might work. Cause I, I mm-hmm. have done that, like not like a show, but like, so I have used one of my gadgets plugged into my car stereo and it sounded kind of decent, but, uh, you know, all that is still inclusive with, you know, take the party with, I take the party with me, you know? <laughs> Yes, you do. Yes, you do. And it really is that that incredible kind of like party experience, you know, because there's a lot of people who will show up to to a show and you don't have a conventional setup. Um, but the minute you actually start playing, that's what brings them in because the song structures are so great and how much thought goes into every single aspect of it. And again, you, even though have a whole bunch of digital aspect that goes through, Everything comes from you. You built it with your hands. You wrote it out. You know the structure. You know the timing. You know, it's 100% of an aspect. And I even love, like, the stories that you tell sometimes, you know, when you talk about, you know, um, your relatives and how, you know, how you, you know, have that little sample clip of that one relative that goes through. And, and you know, it, it adds so much more texture to it because, yes, visually, massively stimulating. And also sonically stimulating, but you can lose when you don't put in those incredible things like your personality. What was that jump for you? Because I, I know you started out in the coffee shops and it was that smaller aspect, but as you're getting bigger and bigger, how are you finding that microphone? And again, not for lyrics, but just for that connection. And especially when touring, that connection is the difference between eating you know, a 99 cent cheeseburger and actually able to have a meal, you know what I mean? So how do you do that? That's a very interesting question. And I'm I'm glad you noticed and pointed that out. So yeah, like um, part of uh, those little, I, so instrumental, there's no, I like to think that I'm communicating. I'm normally a kind of shy and introverted person, but I'm very comfortable playing Mm -hmm. music. So I don't, I don't really get nervous or any of that on stage. And I feel that like I'm, I'm saying or explaining or or sharing a part of myself without saying anything. So I like, that's a big part of the music and what influences what I'm doing or my set order or things like that. Um, But uh, I started to, so all my drum beats and synth stuff is kind of like on a a numbered bank on my loopers that I use. And uh, I thought it'd be cool. I started first to kind of like, oh, one, I didn't want to have like silence in between songs <clears throat> right. and, uh, you know, or at least try and avoid that. And so I started like I should mess around with some s- samples of sorts, like just weird glitchy sounds or something. Um, I shared actually the other day on my Instagram uh, a video. I, I took my phone and recorded a wind chime in my that was in my yard and uh, at the time mm-hmm. and uh I, I ran that sound through my pedal board with all the effects on and i got all these crazy weird sounds and i still use that as a uh, in between song sample segue thing um nice. and then and then you mentioned uh i had a i have a song uh it, the song i actually named the song before doing this sample idea uh i have a song called world ender 
and uh, I usually play it last. And that song you're talking about it has it has my a voicemail from my niece in it, and uh, when she was about five or six years old, and it kind of segues the ch a, a a big change in the song, uh, in the, like in the middle of the song, um, and I kind of I wanted to have some sort of few other elements that kind of maybe just shared something that other you know another uh another layer of paint of like my personality i guess besides like hearing music you know um and you know right. so that voicemail obviously indicates i'm an uncle <laughs> you know like that's my niece she says hey uncle matt and then uh i have um a few other samples in my set that i uh, I, I made like a compilation of the office that's what she said uh quotes mm -hmm. from the show and i segued them all to i like connected them all together and i put some really creepy sense on it but you know it's because it has a i i hear like a laugh out loud like half the time i play that because someone i mean someone's as big as a fan of the office as i am so like they connect with that <laughs> and because uh, it's a pretty funny yeah. sample um and then there's uh Uh, there's a sample I think I have a sample yeah I have a sample from like the in the hall uh, a few mm -hmm. a few quotes from that just because I'm a some people recognize it that's kind of <laughs> I'm, I'm like dating myself because that's like early 90s content um but you know we're well, all they just had the revival sir they yeah just yeah had true yeah but I'm, I'm quoting was, the older stuff but yeah yeah I enjoyed it <laughs> uh, it's fine but, but yeah people although, the hall. they had a revival all right hell yeah <laughs> But uh, yeah, like there's little things kind of like sprinkled, peppered in my set with like little audible word tidbits and just, I guess, I guess if anything, it's just a little bit of humor or, you know, musing to myself or um, some of it is kind of like, even that, that's what she said sample. I, my, I deliberately wanted to, to juxtapose that kind of with something I have like this really dark and creepy synth under that. And it sounds really weird. It sounds like a Twin Peaks thing. And I'm putting that underneath. A, that's what she said. <laughs> a, mm -hmm. a whole stretch of that. So it's kind of like, you know, opposites in a way, you know, like one's like funny and one's like dark and creepy. Um, but yeah, like, right. and then um, I think, yeah, that's that's kind of like most of the audio, like words spoken in, in my set. And then, you know, I I say little tidbits here and there about what the, songs are about or uh because all these songs even though they're instrumental i have titles to them and you wouldn't know like basically all the titles just kind of have to do with whatever was kind of going on at the time when i wrote it uh that song world ender uh is a reference to an episode of rick and morty that i saw at the time yeah i, I forget which uh i think it might even be the name of an episode or something but anyway uh so that and then i and then later like i mentioned before with having that voicemail from my niece i originally wanted to have something a bit more positive like some sort of like really uplifting positive quote type mm -hmm. of thing uh I, I could be totally i might be misquoting it but you ever i think his name is matt silver but he he would go on these weird like kind of positive rants and i tried to incorporate that mm -hmm. in the end of the song instead but there was like mm -hmm. too much outside outside noise that didn't make it made it not right. work and it, it didn't flow right either you know it just didn't flow right and then uh like oh i'll, I'll use that voicemail from my niece because I, I never erased it and you know it was uh i mean she was like five or six years old at that time i was like oh mm -hmm. that fit perfect <laughs> you know i just <laughs> had to like uh 
I think I just emailed it to myself and then I mixed it accordingly and then um put it in the song and then uh, so yeah like and again all those little things are still like creative or music challenges I have to trigger that uh sample differently and I have to trigger mm -hmm. it so that they start correctly you know like it's a, it's a little bit um it's a different maneuver than just looping to incorporate things right. like that so those are challenges that I I definitely give myself um and they result in the song and uh again like I said challenges like that's how all my songs are kind of written they're all written kind of improvised I'll have a riff or a beat that I make and then I kind of riff out it for for a night and then I'll take a video of it and I usually get like a good take of something within the first handful of takes and then I kind of relearn it again mm -hmm. and then that's the song and then I just leave it at that yeah. most most of my solos are kind of pretty much mapped out but some are loose for improvised like takes and sometimes the way I chop up the songs and arrange them I'm really coordinating a lot by myself but like it also mm -hmm. um creates almost like a safety net because say if I, I mess up a loop or right. something here and there I'm only going to be like a bar off I just have to redo a bar sometimes again rather than if I played to like a real backing track and focused more on going nuts and dancing or something you know like uh right if I was playing to a backing track, I feel like there'd be a bigger window of screwing things up because I'm not, right. I'm not, I'm not fully dictating everything there. I'm, I'm, I'm building, I'm building it in front of you. Yeah, you know, 90, 95% mm -hmm. of everything's recorded right in front of you when I'm forming it and layering it live. Right. Um, there's like, there's a couple parts here and there where I have the bass pre-recorded, but it was done with my pedal set up. Um, but it's only done, I only do that for the sake of like a song structure part here and there, because otherwise you'd have to hear me playing the bass and looping it before it comes in. Right. When, when say, for example, I just want the bass to just punch in right here for the sake of the structure right. of the feelings. So, so that's otherwise, yeah, like I said, well, otherwise that's, it's all, it's all recorded in front of you. Now, now for, for the, um, the novice uh, musician that is out there or the, the non-musician that is out there and the non-electronic musician that is out there you spoke a lot about looping and looping pedals and different things like that now you know what is a loop and what is a looping pedal and how do you use that to help create your art or to make it as we'll get into that after you answer this question but yeah okay. let's go with that <laughs> yeah yeah so i be, i do what's called looping and there's a there's actually kind of a bunch of different ways you can kind of do it or approach it and some of it may kind of depend on the type of looper or looping you're using, but basically a loop is like um, just uh, a few measures, like four, usually four, eight, or 16 bars of a, excuse me, a segment of a song, you know, or in my case, I, it's the length of the drum loop, like, and it just, it plays, it finishes and it immediately repeats. So it just keeps going and it's mm -hmm. in perfect time and sync with each other. So, and the way that I have my setup, um, at, so I've started out with looping. Uh, sometimes uh, you can get a little tiny pedal that just does looping. It's uh, an effects pedal. It's like a stomp box. You, 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 you trigger with your, your foot, you push a button with your foot and it does, it either plays or records what you're doing. And then you mm -hmm. push it again and stops it and it just, and it just loops and plays. So, um, it was around so i started the youtube channel around 2009 i think and i just started doing loops with uh i have a, i had a boss dd7 
digital delay pedal, which I still have and use. Um, and uh, I started doing looping. There's a loop setting on that, um, a, a delay pedal. So I, I would just loop acoustic guitar parts over that. And that's how I, I first like kind of understood the like physicality of like when I have to hit something. Sometimes you even have to hit something in a little bit different way so that it connects and loops properly. Like, or sometimes mm -hmm. like, I can't hit on one. I got to hit like a hair before one to start it and end it type of thing. You know, like the real physical measuring of those triggers and ins and outs and stuff. So anyway, uh, I just started doing the looping with a basic function on a, on a, an effects pedal. And then uh, mm -hmm. after years of kind of like getting that kind of down and also, as I mentioned kind of before, my musical upbringing, I was in my high school jazz marching and concert band and I'm, well-versed in music theory and I know mode you know I don't know the names of the modes but I just long story short I, I just know what kind of groups of notes that sound right together and I, like I'm aware of every single note that's playing uh every second of each loop or song so I know I know exactly what's layered on top of each other pretty much every second so I know how to layer things so if I at first I I kind of already stood the theory of what notes should be layered together. And then it was a matter of right. kind of executing that with the looper pedal, that loop function. And then a few years later, it was when I got into that electronic music class in college that I mentioned. Um, and then I got a looper that was allowed me to save those drum beats that I made and save it to the pedal. Right. And then I would load those to the pedal and, I would guitar, layer the guitar over that drum beat and layer and loop the guitar over that drum beat. So, and I got to um, loop the call letters WNHHLP 103.5 FM New Haven, myself, Prestige, and my partner in crime, Long Island Rays, Elm City made EZ Blues is in the building as we enter the forest room on behind the brand. Go ahead, Matt. My apologies. No worries. Thank you. No. Uh, so, I basically. So I had this, it was a Digitech Jamman uh, looper. It was a mono version. It was a pretty cool two foot pedal thing to like start and stop. I had like a memory card and you had to like, it was, I won't get too into real tech boring stuff, but like <laughs> it has a, the load files onto that. It has to be certain specs. And also mm -hmm. I always mix things so that they sound good coming out of my amp, uh, mm -hmm. like so that I could do it live. And also every time I play live, like I could rely on my own sound or I could go to the house. And a lot of the times I do, but like if I couldn't or didn't, I could rely on myself for sound, you know, like my stage volume could do that if I needed it. Um, but anyway, uh, so yeah, self-reliant and then the, the loops, you know, making it sound good through my amp. And then, um, so I did that for a long time using this looper and I even modified the looper with different foot switches. I, um, Mm -hmm. these metal ones are basically uh, a bit quicker to trigger so like I, mm -hmm. I heavily modified it and uh and then eventually um digitech made a looper called the digitech solo xt mm -hmm. uh, which was a stereo looper and they had these things called a it's a they have a sync function so if you had more than one of these loopers you can okay. sync them together so uh, i got two of them and right now what I've been, I've been doing this, I've probably been at, so I have my current setup. I've probably been using the same setup for about five or six years now, but mm. a set, what I have now is I have two loopers. One is all the drums and synth 
stuff like uh and it's synced connected to another looper and that loop other looper is focused on only the guitar stuff like the speaking guitar of, layers and speaking looping. of drums um i'm just overseeing this cool video you got on youtube called robotic bell um your visuals <laughs> on that are very 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 cool and unique um are you going to have more of these crazy instrumental just ex express yourself videos? Because like, I'm loving the vibe. I think it's a real good look for you. And I think it separates you outside the box. Thank you. Uh, so welcome. that, that, that video, that's an one that's with my synth. I, I so mm -hmm. long story short, like yeah. I, I fix guitars. I play guitar all the time. Uh -huh. And then a few, like three years ago or so, uh i started to get into these pocket operators these little yes. synth gadget things and uh i did like i just like gravitated to her because it was just like i'm tired of touching guitars i got my hand on the guitar like my workshop <laughs> i'm fixing them i'm playing them yeah. right music which i i love right but like you know mm -hmm. it's like i was getting like sick of it in a way you know <laughs> like and uh i'm not uh i'm not really you know even though i produce my drum beats and do everything garage band like I, i'm I try not to be at a computer too much. Like outside of my job, like I'm right. not, I try not to be at a, I'm not really at a computer as I used to be. I used to be a graphic designer and I was at a computer. I just burnt myself out on computer stuff. So anyway, um, I, I do spreadsheets now. So it's, it's, a, it's way less intensive, but uh, mm -hmm. anyway, uh, so I got into these pocket operators and I just started doing like just really improvised recordings. And what's cool about the pocket operator stuff is it's still loop based focused you know all these right. gadgets are synced together and even though they're all doing something different they're all in time with each other yeah and two uh it's all very improvised like a lot of the stuff that some of the gadgets like they don't save your settings so you got to like reset when you start it again right. so like it's kind of like i even made like a template notebook to try and like jot down some of my settings for certain right. arrangements like that robotic bell song i probably had a, mm -hmm. a note session jotted down to get those settings again and it's like at best i can maybe get back to it like 75 percent, but it would never be like 100 percent redone again but um yeah like so yeah that's that's the synth uh gadget pocket operators and i actually i i, I try to take that to open mics uh right I was actually just at an open mic last night uh, in uh, in um, Berlin, Connecticut, and uh, mm -hmm. I take that's what I take because it's like a break from guitar. Like, like I said, I'm fixing guitars all the time, right? <laughs> and then right. Uh, and then I'm playing them, which I you know I do enjoy that. But you can really fry yourself out, and it also getting out of comfort zone and kind of like giving inspiration for new stuff. Like I, I plan to, I haven't done it yet, but I plan to make drum beats that way. And then uh, yes. mix it. My pedal. So. Sorry that's, about that. No, that, 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 that yeah. no, no worries. No, no that, that's absolutely incredible. And, and you know, I one, you know, dude, I I love and respect everything you do. Everything you do, I'm going to continue to be in, in your corner, screaming and yelling it because you know you're just that dope of a human being. But the really cool news out of everything is, although it might have started years ago at cafe nine tomorrow you and i get to share the stage again and it's always so super interesting because you know you do come from a super technical aspect and every single thing is planned out for your set and let's be honest with you i might know one song i'm gonna do right you know what i mean like i show up there and i'm like all right it feels like i'm going to do this but it works. And I, I don't genuinely understand why it works, 
but it, it's this beautiful yin and yang aspect of it. Um, is that something you had to come up around, you know, being more of a musical aspect, playing open mics and cafes, that is more the singer songwriter vein, or is this, or, or do we just vibe that well? I'm going to say we vibe that well, but I just think we vibe that well, you know, like obviously I'm acoustic sounding and that's, mm -hmm. that's how I, a lot of things I connected with, especially starting out. And um, I, I kind of like, I do owe a lot of kind of like the forest rooms, upbringing at least to performing from open mics and mm -hmm. um there's a lot of acoustic you know a lot of acoustic stuff happening there uh and then um so like and also the open mic vibe has always been kind of cool to me because that's kind of where you you really i don't know for whatever reason you take yourself a little less seriously or you, i i do that kind of like the iron out ideas like Right. How 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 can I perform this part? Is this gonna work all right, or does it suck, or like does it? Uh, it's kind of where you can really test the test your abilities or content the most is at an open mic, and everyone's got an acoustic guitar at an open mic. <laughs> like you know, and I, I'm I'm there. You know, right. like I mean, yeah, it doesn't look right. like it now because I got that solid body. But like I, I always play a wood. You know, I want to sound like an old rickety wooden pirate ship, and that's kind of what I do. And, um, <laughs> and you know, all you know, like you and other acts that we performed, and like that night at at Cafe Nine, we all do it differently, and that's what's cool mm -hmm. and unique about us. So, no, no, definitely, and I, I think it's gonna be dope. Now, this is the first time coming uh, back to Middletown in a while. Um, a brand new venue uh, that you're gonna be checking out. So. What's it going to be like to sit with like pizza and music all in the same spot? I mean, I've been gluten free for over ten years, so I don't even eat pizza anymore. So that's like Ooh. that's a, that's irrelevant to me. They have gluten free uh, <laughs> pizza now. No excuse. Oh, yeah. They got gluten free dough now. Oh yeah, but not, oh, not everyone has it. You can do it. And it's, you live it's, in it Connecticut. Can be a mixed vibe. You, you, you can find you can find some ways, strategies. You can get cauliflowers. Is very big about pizza. Listen, you, yeah. you, you you can find a I'm way when, the, when when there's an avenue. <laughs> but uh, for for oh mamas, like yeah, I'm really looking yeah. forward to that. Oh mamas in Middle, Middletown, Main Street, Middletown. Um, there was a venue, uh, maybe like a block or two further up Main Street called Max Six Fifty back in the day, and I, I performed mm. there like years ago i think that was around 2019 um and that's a cool spot and it's cool to see that that whole that whole street really is kind of like up and coming and booming and kind of getting cooler uh the last five ten years or so so um it should be a really cool night tomorrow you know with the show and uh sarah dunn and soul guyers soul gears i'm not am i awesome. pronouncing that right yeah i don't know how to pronounce it i want to say soul guyers i, I think yeah. that sounds cool and, uh, I, I didn't look it up wrong yeah. You send the, the hate mail to, to, to prestige Absolutely. Uh, yeah. it happens but I, I will tell you unfortunately the apollo curtain is closing we have very short time we want to give this time to you matt tell the people how they can get in touch with the far room how they can listen to your music how, when they can see you live like tomorrow at at, at mama's um but you know <laughs> this is your uh this is your your, your platform sir well, thank you so much for having me and thank you for Absolutely. being here. So you can yeah. catch me. Uh, you can listen to my, I don't have anything streaming on Spotify at the moment, but I did just finish recording a bunch of music in April and I'm hoping to have something released either 
uh, end of this year. May it, I feel like it's probably not going to be until the beginning of next year, but uh, we'll I'll have a release then. But until then, uh, I have a lot of live performance and live recordings and content on my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash the forest room. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a lot of content on my Instagram. It's uh, the underscore forest underscore room on Instagram, facebook.com slash the forest and the forestroom.bandcamp.com is my band camp. I have some old recordings on my band camp, but uh, YouTube and my Instagram is probably like my most active social platform uh social media platform and then live shows tomorrow we are playing at oh mama's in middletown july 22nd me easy blues soul gears and sarah dunban it should be a wonderful night starts around seven uh it's gonna be a lot of fun um and then i have uh i have a few shows the following week i'll be playing in norwalk on the 28th and i'll be in new haven on the 27th and then uh, I'll be, I might be in Norwalk again in August. Uh, and then I have a tour booked in September. I'll be going to, I'll be playing shows in Pennsylvania, Maryland, and North Carolina the second week of September. So I'll have more info of that on all my social media, most likely my Instagram. And uh, yeah, uh, thank you so much. I love music. Thank you. know, it's the best thing. It connects all of us. It connects you and I, and thank you so much for supporting and being awesome. And, you know, me and uh, Dustin go back easy blues. We go back and uh, press and it's a pleasure, you know, have being able to be here and talk with you as well. And thank, thank you, you for having me on your, on your show. Definitely, man. The forest room. Yeah. Appreciate you on WNHH LP 103.5 FM New Haven, myself prestige and my partner in crime, Long Island Raids, Elm City Made, EZ Blues. Appreciate you.